The teaching text for today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Trinity Grace Church, Park Slope. My name is Corey, and I am the senior pastor of Reconcile Brooklyn Church, formerly known as Trinity Grace Church Crown Heights, uh, which means that you and, and my church were sister churches or, or, or brother churches or or family churches, whatever type of language do we want to use, but we're family churches, and 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 I get excited when I think about that, friends, because I think, man, uh, as family churches, we have an opportunity to uh, to hang out with each other. We have an opportunity to pray with each other, we and worship with each other, and and and, and Pastor Caleb, uh, if we do this well, this family church thing. Maybe 10 years from now, we'll be able to celebrate a whole bunch of people that have been married from our churches together. And so, um, and so listen, I know you, you guys didn't log on today to hear me uh, dream and fantasize about seeing our church members get married. Um, you came here to hear a word. And so we're going to dive in today um, into our talk for this morning. And so I understand that we are currently in a summer series um, exploring uh, uh, the words of Jesus when he says in Matthew 7, 24, that everyone who hears these words of mine, these teachings of mine, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so today we are going to focus our attention on Jesus's words later in the book and later in this book of Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at the first four verses. So let's pray really quickly and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, God, for this for this time. I thank you so much, Lord, for this, for the technology that we have to be able to uh, teach digitally and receive virtually. And God, Lord, you, you, your Holy Spirit moves in so many ways. And so, God, we're so grateful for that. But Holy Spirit, right now, we're asking God that you would allow this word to be a seed embedded into our hearts and our souls, Lord Father God, that you would water the good work that you've already been doing in us, God, and you would help this word, help us become more like your son so we can experience freedom the way that your son uh, uh, envisioned that we would experience it. And so, Father God, I pray that you would bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I, I want to open up this way. Uh, recently, I had a conversation with some really close friends of mine, and uh, we were having a hot debate. We was in hot debate, and, and I would say we were we were talking about probably uh, one of this century's most polarizing debate topics you could bring up. Uh, we were talking about the question of who is the goat of basketball. 
Who is the greatest of all time in the NBA? For those of you guys that don't know what the word GOAT means. And of course, some of us in our little group, we, you know, some of us said it was Kobe Bryant, he's the GOAT. And some of us said it was LeBron James. And then there were some of us that accurately said it was Michael Jordan. <laughs> you see what I did there? Uh, so it was a hot debate. That was the point. And here's the thing. We were pulling up stats. Uh, we were talking about, uh, we were checking out the wins versus losses. We were, we, were, we were looking at their teams that they played with to see who had it easier or harder. We were looking at the era of basketball they played in. Did they play in the 80s or the 90s or, 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 or modern contemporary basketball? We were looking at all these stats. But, but ultimately what we were looking at, what we were looking for were qualities that would, uh, uh, that would uh, qualify someone to be designated the greatest in NBA history. And so I bring this up to say this, that in many ways, the disciples were doing this very same thing amongst themselves, but regarding themselves, considering themselves, about themselves, they were, they were debating among themselves, essentially, who was the greatest among them in the kingdom of heaven. And so what better way to settle this hot debate amongst the disciples of who of, of them are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven than to go to the man himself, to go to Jesus and present him with this question that we see here in verse one, where they say, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, the, the disciples, they likely assumed uh, that in this new kingdom that Jesus was bringing forth, that Jesus was establishing, that, that they, the disciples, would hold these key positions uh, based on their greatness, that they would, uh, based on their contribution to the work of Christ, that they would hold these, 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 uh, these roles. And, and it mattered to them. They wanted to know who would do what, what, what roles they would have, what responsibilities they would take, and, and who would be deemed the greatest. And so you can imagine their surprise and probably their disappointment when Jesus calls a child to them and places the child right among them. It says this in verse three, he says, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is huge. And I, I, listen, the first thing that I find fascinating about, what G, about Jesus's response is he doesn't outright tell them to be like him, right? He doesn't outright point to himself as the greatest and says, be like me, right? He, he doesn't outright tell them, hey, memorize WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's the way to become the greatest. So in fact, what he does, though, very contrary to that, he, he points them to the child, almost, almost having to memorize WWCD, what would children do? And there you go, that is my dad joke for the day. <laughs> but he doesn't point to himself immediately. It's fascinating. Again, this had to have been incredibly disappointing and, and, and even confusing for the disciples because children at that time, uh, children did not represent greatness, right? Children did not represent a, 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 a social status of importance worth trying to imitate or become like. Children weren't the most skilled. They weren't the, the most knowledgeable. They, 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 they didn't hold leadership positions. Children did not have social statuses of importance that people wanted to be like in the world. And so imagine, 
I, 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 just imagine being the disciples in this moment, hearing uh, Jesus's response to the question of who's the greatest. He says, be like this child. He drops, and, 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 then, and then he qualifies it, explains it, goes a little bit deeper here in verse four. When he says this, he says, so whoever humbles themselves like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Friends, humility. This is what Christ desires uh, from his disciples. This is what he desired from them. And, and friends, this is what Christ desires from us today. Humility, that we would be a community that is recognized for our humble nature, that we would be a people that is recognized by our humility. Because at his core, at his core, Jesus is humble. For it was his humility, his, 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 his nature of being a humble being that allowed for him to be obedient to the Father even unto death on the cross. Philippians 2.8 tells us that. So be humble. This is what Jesus was teaching his disciples and this is what Jesus is teaching us today. Be humble. What does that look like? What does humility look like here in our day, in our age, in our era? I'm going to share quickly uh, with you two points. The first point Humility looks like placing value on others above yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that again, because I know that, that that's going to that's going to sting a little bit. Humility looks like placing value on others above yourself. Now, this is a tricky one, because I know that at first glance, you, you might this might this might sting a little bit. Uh, it might be a little confusing. You might be feeling like what I'm telling you is to devalue yourself, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm not telling us that Jesus wants us to devalue ourselves and, and never in scripture do we ever hear Jesus promote a, a, a framework or a narrative of devaluing ourselves. Jesus has always expected us to have a love and value for ourselves. It's actually the foundation for which we understand how to love others when we understand our love and value for ourselves. Think about this, when Jesus calls us to love others as ourselves, there is a presupposed understanding that we love and value ourselves, <laughs> making it easy for us to comprehend why it makes sense to love somebody else. <laughs> when we hear the words, treat others as we want to be treated, it is only when we understand and have a love and value for ourselves that we can actually find treating others the way we want to be treated reasonable, right? And so make no mistake, Jesus has never uh, promoted devaluing ourselves for the sake of others, but what we're, going to, what we're going to see is that Jesus has a framework or a narrative that, that, that suggests that we, that, we, that we place value on others above our own love and value for ourselves. Now, now, now here's, here's the scripture that I have in mind. As I'm thinking about this, I have the words of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians in mind. In, his, in the passage, Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4, Paul says this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, 
in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, the interests of others. Friends, humility values the interests of others so much so that you look for the interests of others above your own selfish ambitions. And not that your ambitions are selfish, right? But, but here's the thing. Humility values the interests of others, even above our own. And if we're honest, this is difficult because all of us would much rather be the ones scoring the points than passing the ball to someone else to score the points. Now, now I know that, that for some of us that understand sports and basketball, that made a lot of sense. But here's what I want to say. See, we would much rather score the points in the argument with our spouse. We would much rather score the points at our job when there's a promotion on the line. We would much rather score the points in the political debate with that person that we barely know on our social media, right? We would rather score the points in the debate, the fight, the argument with our family member. We would rather score the points in church to get on the preaching schedule. <laughs> we would rather score the points because in our minds, scoring the points is what gets you closer to the goal, to the blessing of God. But humility... The humble person can somehow see the good and see the blessing in us wanting our spouse to feel seen and heard, even, even as we try to be seen and heard. See, the, the humble person wants to see their coworkers succeed and rise up the ladder in their career just as much as we rise. The humble person uh, is so okay with doing set up and tear down while their friends preach on the teaching schedule. See, the humble person cares about the interests of others, cares about what someone is crying out saying, I want this, I need this. Even at times, if we have to sacrifice what we want and our interests for them to be uplifted, for them to rise and be leveraged. <laughs> See, there's, there's another translation that, that says, whoever takes the lowly position of a child <laughs> uh, is the greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> See, humility finds joy in taking the back seat and seeing other people rise. See, we don't value giving assists to the people that score. We only value the people that score. But humility uh, loves to place value on others above ourselves. Here's the second point for us. Humility expresses itself through an ability to dwell among people of lower social status. And I'll say that again. Humility expresses itself through an ability to dwell among people with a lower social status. Romans uh, chapter 12, 16 says, teaches us to live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
See, it might be easy to, to hear this and think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not conceited. I get it. Like, I know I'm grateful. Hallelujah. Grace. Right. Like, I, it's probably easy to, to kind of disconnect from that passage. But and, and I even say this, many of us today would likely never admit that we regard anyone as beneath us or in a low position. Right. Many of us might not ever admit that or even believe that 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 that's we somehow identify with that 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 practice of putting people beneath us but if we sincerely examine what we think about people when we disagree with them if we sincerely examine what we say about them those that we disagree with when they can't hear us, or even how we treat people that think and live differently than us, I believe this passage in Romans begins to feel a bit more applicable and even challenging. Because when we think we know more than someone, better yet, when we actually know more than someone, some of us, we know we have the education and the experience above someone else. And it becomes very easy to become prideful and to behave as such, to be conceited and to cancel people based on their views and their lifestyles and their opinions. If you still think that this might not apply to you, um, join me in wondering. Uh, because I, I, I wonder, for those of us that hold a uh, more progressive political opinion, I, I, I wonder if we would be humble enough to associate ourselves sincerely with Trump supporters. Or, or, or maybe those of us that hold a more conservative political opinion. Would we be able to associate ourselves with the AOCs and the Bidens supporters? You see, we, when we start talking about things that really cause us to get tensed up. Oh, no, no, no. But see, if you hold a different political view than me, then you're against me. And even in the scriptures, we are taught to love our enemies. <laughs> that even if our, if our enemies were... We're, we're begging for food before us that we would be uh, almost commanded by God to feed them. <laughs> Some of us can't even uh, allow for a person that disagrees with us to be in the same room with us. Imagine if they were in front of us begging for food. But humility, humility is what God is after. See, the humble person values people, values the differences that we share, values the things that they want almost as much as us. Now, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to close out in just a few minutes, uh, but, but let's, be, let's be honest and open and vulnerable and transparent together. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that for you as well. But if you're anything like me, uh, this, this got to sound like a lot. As I was going over this and he getting this from the Lord, I was thinking, Lord, this is a lot. I mean, really, though? <laughs> you know, I mean, God wants me to value others, the interests of others above my own. Right. Like I have some very, you know, passionate interests and, and God wants me to value other people's interests above my own. That's a lot, God. And even and God almost want he, he, he as well. He wants me to value people so much so that even when I hold when they hold vastly different lifestyle opinions and beliefs than me, that I should be willing to associate myself with them. God, this is a lot. 
<laughs> if you're anything like me, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm opening up with you guys, TGC. If you're anything like me, as you've been hearing this, at some point you were thinking, but what about me? What about my desires? What about my interests? What about the things that I wrote down on my, my dream board that I want to accomplish? What about me? When do I win? When do I rise up? When do I get lifted up? And with this, I'm going to close for you guys. James chapter 4, verse 10 says this, Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. <laughs> See, when you walk humbly with God, you don't got to worry about who will lift you up, because God says that He Himself will lift you up. He will give you the wisdom. He will give you the skills. He'll give you the connections and the networks. He'll give you the strength to be able to stand up and experience all that God has for you. See, when you take a step back, you still win. You don't lose. You know, I, me and my wife, we have this little, uh, this rule that we came up. We call it the third place rule. Now, the third place rule is based on this concept, this idea that God is first, other people are second, and we are third. And if we follow that, we still win. Right? God says, love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love others as yourself. You see, when, when, you, when you put God first, and you value others above yourself, you kind of fall to third place, but third place wins. Third place wins. You still win when you put God first and you put other people second. You still win when you value the interests of other people above your own because God will lift you up. Again, James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and He Himself will lift you up. Friends, I want to pray for you because maybe you've, you're listening to this message and, and, it's, and it's challenging and you're thinking, I want that. I want to be able to have that humility that, that, that faith to trust that even when I take a step back, that God will somehow lift me up. I want to have that faith. I want to pray for you right now. So if this is you, I'm going to invite you right where you're at. You're on the couch or you're sitting on a chair, you're in the kitchen, you're in the car, wherever you're at. I want to invite you right now to agree with me as I pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Um, uh, for the, for the, the invitation <laughs> the challenge to turn, right? That was the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that you told your disciples right in the beginning was that turn, change, convert, alter. There, there's a shifting that you're calling us to experience, a paradigm shift, a behavior shift, God. And to humble ourselves, that humility would be something we aspire to experience and exemplify. And God, I thank you so much, Lord, that the promise that you give us is that if we humble ourselves, we can trust, we can rest in peace knowing that you will lift us up. If we take the step back, if we go take the last place, if we move backwards, if we close our mouth and we let others speak, if we just try to empathize and try to listen and try to understand and not try to score all the points that we can, if we do this, you will lift us up is what the promise is. So God, I thank you for the promise. Hallelujah, I thank you for the word. I thank you for grace.
But right now, God, there are people listening right now, watching this uh, sermon, saying, God, I need help practicing humility. God, right now, I want to pray. Friends, right now, if, you, if, you're, if this is you and you're thinking, I need this, I'm praying for you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now, at this very moment that they're listening, right now, God, that you would come upon them, Lord, and give them, number one, the, the confidence to believe that they can, Lord, Father God, and the strength and ability to do it. Father God, your scripture says that you are working in us, giving us the desires and the ability to do the things that please you. For those of us that are here right now online saying, God, I want to do this. I want you to know that the Spirit of God is working in you, giving that desire. And if God is giving you that desire, you can trust that he's going to finish what he started and give you the ability. So Spirit of God, right now, Lord, you've given them the desire. And I'm praying that at this very moment, God, you start to give them reason to believe, reason to see that you're working it out in them, giving them the ability to be humble. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.